It used to be hard to find the exact auto parts you needed, and that meant spending a lot of time at swap meets. It's a different game now when you can order exactly what you need from eBay Motors. They have 122 million parts, so you can always find the right fitment. Spend less time searching and more time building with the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Rumkey is hiring CDL drivers age 19 and up, and drivers are paid based on experience. Rumkey CDL drivers earn $1,000 to $1,300 per week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in their first year. Rumkey drivers are home daily, work in a recession-resistant industry, receive great benefits and performance incentives. Start a lucrative career and apply now at rumkeycareers.com. Equal opportunity employer restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 31 of the Hawks Talks podcast and all things Atlanta Hawks podcast, hosted by two lifelong Hawks fans. As always, I'm Jackson Redman, joined today by my co-host, Logan Barnes, and joining us today, longtime friend of the podcast, Kyle Wagers. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing all right. You know, we've been, we've been trying to have Kyle on the pod for a while. We've uh, famously had some quote-unquote scheduling issues, uh, and that means entirely just either my fault or Jackson's fault, but we finally got Kyle on, so happy happy he's back. He's He's... Like you said, been a good friend of the podcast for a while now. What's up? Thanks for having me. No, I'm, I, I'm glad you came back. Uh, I remember like the it was before the first time we recorded for you, and Logan Logan was like, Kyle's gonna have like all these good stats, and me and you are just gonna be here like uh, a Kongu fart noise. And but you know, I'm glad you're back. We do have a bunch of stuff to talk about today, including some uh, stuff. If you did not know, Kyle <laughs> is very well versed in his knowledge of NBA trades, which we will get into a lot later. But I guess we should go ahead and start off. The Hawks have been in the news a lot recently, Kyle. So I just want to get your thoughts on probably the main topic right now. Um. Lloyd Pierce, what was your initial reaction when uh, the news came out that he had been uh, dismissed, fired, whatever you want to call it, from the Hawks? So it was one of those situations where I was busy doing something with work and my phone just starts lighting up and I see all these notifications, text messages, bing, ping, ping, and I'm just like, what is going on? And then I just take it all in and a big smile comes across my face. It's like the ding dong, the witch is dead. Like in the uh, wizard of Oz. Uh, it was just an incredible moment because, you know, I said at the, the first time I was on the podcast before at the beginning of the season, how I really wanted Lloyd to be our MVP of the season. And I thought that, you know, with this squad, we really going to need to have good coaching to bring the whole group together, a bunch of new faces, a bunch of young guys. And this just was not the guy. I mean, he's like, for all intents and purposes, a good person. But, you know, sometimes there's great people who are just not good fits for the job. And that's what we had here going on in Atlanta. I mean, yeah, yeah so, I remember, so he was, um, he was, I remember when it happened, like, you just like, I, I was like, I posted it. And then you said something, you were like, you know what this means? Emergency podcast. And I, I thought that was funny. So. He was spot on. I mean, within. I, I was it maybe an hour or two of that happening, Jackson, and I had to come running to record. I, it, you know, like Kyle said, we needed somebody that was just prepared to bring everybody together. And, and it seems like Lloyd actively tore people apart. So kind of just the opposite of what you wanted to have happen. Um, it, it's funny that Kyle like was elated by the news. Cause I, I, I felt a little sad, but at the same time, I, I was like, yeah, definitely time to move on. 
So when it, when it happened, were you like dancing on his grave like immediately? Because personally, like Logan and Logan, but the day we did the emergency podcast, one thing Logan told me before we recorded was don't like dance on LP's grave. And then the very next day that Kirshner, Aldridge, and Amic article drops, I'm like, this dude was like bullying Cam. This dude was toxic. This dude was like not taking suggestions from our players on how to be better. Like I'm dancing on this dude's grave from now on. But were you just dancing on it from the start? Yeah, at first, and you know, as time went on, I the excitement started to fade away. You know, you started to see everybody's takes coming in, their analysis. I kind of fell or succumbed to the school of thought where everybody was saying, you know, this wasn't really a fair situation for him, even though he was god awful when he was here. Like, you know, he it took him two and a half years to install a defense. The challenges were just absurd. The rotations were equally absurd. But when you consider that, you know, the first two years he was here, they gave him an awful group, you know, to work with. Like, those those teams are awful. And, you know, you finally just say, hey, the clock starts now. You got to win. And you give him, what, like 34 games? And then you get cut. I mean, that doesn't really seem a whole lot doesn't seem really fair, especially when you consider all the injuries that happen. So I, that part kind of bumped me out a little bit. No, I, I definitely agree with you. Like one thing I was saying to myself was like, it like these things like aren't mutually exclusive. Like you can agree that like LP didn't get a fair shake, which like he didn't <clears throat> like, I, I kind of point to like our backup point guard is like, how was like any coach, like especially like a first time coach supposed to win when you have point guards over the years of Jeremy Lynn, Evan Turner, Brandon Goodwin, um, Jalen Adams, but at the same time, like, I do think that Lloyd was just, in general, just, like, bad at his job. So, overall, I mean, I was just excited to see him go, straight up. And to compound that, the guard situation that he had to deal with, you're talking about last year, primary wing defender, DeAndre Brimbury. You know, Alex Lynn starting at the five. Damian Jones getting lotted games starting at the five. Like, Grant Popovich isn't winning games with those teams. So, it's just... It sucks, but it needed to happen. It's just one of those things where it's better to rip the Band-Aid off than to let it keep going any longer. It, it's one of those things where, like, I think it would have been completely understandable if Schlenk and Wrestler just gave him the entire season, like, to just give him a chance with an actual roster that maybe got a little bit healthier and maybe was at least somewhat prepared to win games. But at the same time, like, if you give him the whole 72 games... You, you very well might just be wasting your time because I, I think, like Kyle said, that the challenges and the rotations were just sort of obscene at times. He Lloyd had some like famously bad moments where, like, he took Trey out in a pivotal late game situation when we needed a bucket, and like put Vince Carter out there in key defensive situations. Just one of those things where it's like clearly it, he, I don't think he just fully was prepared for the situation. So it's probably def it's probably better that we just rip the bandaid off. You know, hey, sorry, you didn't really get a fair shake, but we also don't really see a future with you anyway. So just going to sort of get you out of here and you can move on to your next thing and we can move on to our next thing and not like pretend that this is going to work out magically because by the end, it was pretty clear it just was not going to work out no matter whether the roster is healthy or not. So another, another one of the, uh, you know, key takeaways that people were spouting off in the week since this has happened was and I, I agree with this, is that the clock really is on with Schlenk. You know, you get one head coach, you can pass through, do the whole tank thing, but you certainly don't get two. Uh, being the type of person he is, you know, he got hired out 
from Golden State. It's not like he's has like deep ties in the Atlanta community or anything. So the clock is really turning for him. You know, if he can't hit on this next coach, then, you know, the writing might be on the wall for him too. So it's just a situation that you really have to closely monitor. I was actually going to ask you, like, as our next topic, like, do you think, like, the seat's getting warm on, El- on Schlenk? And, like, I- I- I've personally been thinking it's getting hot for a while. Just, you know, knowing, like, the stories about, like, wrestler and, like, how his desire to win is so high and how, like, he's willing to invest into the team if it means winning. But I, I-, I do agree with you that I think that uh, Schlenk's uh, seat uh, is going to get hot soon, and if it's already not hot already. Yeah, no, Schlenk is, uh, it's a December morning. He's got the car seat warmers on he like walks back out from the garage to get something he's walked back into the car the sea is definitely hot like he doesn't really have much wiggle room at all especially after the summer where he spent a lot of money and you know obviously injuries have been the main deterrent of the season but the hawks are not performing to anybody's expectations right now it's one of those things where like to me schlenk sort of if he really wants to I guess, cool down his seat. Um, besides the obvious of like making a late season push and winning a playoff series. Cause of course that would sort of, you know, ease everyone. you know, I don't think anyone would be freaking out if that happened, but that's not likely to happen. I think Slank's just straight up going to have to sort of work magic this off season. Cause we don't have much cap space. We don't have a lot of extra assets. Like he's going to have to make moves to make the team better. And he's, he's not going to have a lot of wiggle room. Whereas last off season, he had, all the money in the world. He had his draft picks, and he's he's gonna like Slank's gonna have to just make stuff happen and not do dumb stuff like give Ron a guy like Rondo fifteen million, and you know it's it's gonna be tough for him. He's gonna have to really figure it out, and I I'm not sure if Slank will be able to pull it off, but we'll we'll just have to see. I think if this time next year Slank like the Hawks are still middling and just treading water, then yeah, it's, it it'll be Slank's time to go as well. But I, I do know Jackson has been on the fire slank train for so long that he's he's probably just enjoying the moment that people are start, starting to finally catch on with his uh, with his scent with his. Scent. I, I will say I I did this all season. Like we had that we had that podcast with Kyle when like we were all like yeah the dark days are over. I was like you know what I'll apologize to Schlenk. There's a video clip of it. But now I mean it. It started to look like I was right. I mean, I was definitely right about LP, especially like after that Kirshner article came out, where you know, everybody, where basically like, the entire team hated him. One hundred percent, I was, I was shooting like I was batting a thousand on that. Well, let let let's be clear here. Your quote was, "quote Schlenk had a master class of an off season." So I don't think you can ever say you were batting a thousand. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that 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 uh, that's fair. Look, I, I overextended. Mean, you know, we talked about this before. Overextending. That's what you do, though. That's a, that's just your thing. You like to overextend. That is my thing. That's very much. My that's thing. fair. You know that scene in The Godfather when the guy goes, "Just when I thought I was out, they pull me right back in." Oh my gosh! I sent that to Logan the other day. Jackson has sent me that gift. I think twice this season. <laughs> that's that's exactly how I feel about pretty much every move Schlenk makes. You know, you see the. Gallinari's signing, which for all intents and purposes has been a disaster, even though as of late he has turned it on a little bit. And then you're just like, what the hell, man? And then, but then you see DeAndre Hunter, you know, balling out, and you're just like, wow, he was a genius for trading up. And then you see Skylar Mays doing his thing, and you're like, wow, 
like he found a diamond in the rough and picked 50 or whatever he went at. And then you see getting Tony Snell for Dwayne Dedman, who is out of the league. And Tony Snell is falling out of his mind, like incredible. I would not trade Tony Snell right now. And it's just like, but then you have the Bruno Fernando. So it's just like every for every time you have something great, you have something equally that you can look back for. And it's just like, what are we doing here? Travis it, Schilling so is the cam reddish of GMs. Like he's either like like oh my gosh, this guy's gonna be an all star. He's like incredible. oh my god, this guy's gonna be out of the league next year. Like it's one of those two. Perfect analogy. It's so funny because with Schlenk, I think everything just gets encapsulated with the center position. Because oh my god, we traded Poku basically for Clint Capella, and Clint Capella has been a top five, seven center in the league this season. He's completely changed how the Hawks can operate this season. Like he's not perfect. He, he has. Some questionable moments, especially on offense, but he's been phenomenal, like the exact sort of thing that the Hawks needed. And then you're like, but the whole backup center situation, we have Okongu, who, you know, I, I you don't like to write off rookies that quick, but he's just been worse than I think anyone expected. And then you, you have guys like Bruno, who is, is Bruno, and then you have guys like Gallo, who had played the back of five, and it's like, well, that, that's just Schlank in a nutshell, like just the center position. You have a phenomenal acquisition in Capella, and then you have a lot of really suspect sort of questionable decisions behind him. So it's just funny how, I mean, what, what Jackson said is pretty pretty spot on, honestly. You're, I mean, he, he truly is like either a star or he's like just, just not. Like, I don't know. I, I do think the seat's getting warmer, and what do y'all think? Do you guys think that, like, let's say hypothetically, very hypothetically, like, I don't expect this to happen. Like, I don't see Schilling getting fired, like, in the near future. Like, and by that, I mean, like, next three months. I don't like the plan too far ahead. No, yeah. But. No, they're going to give him the draft. No, they'll least. give him the, yeah, they'll they'll give him the draft and free agency. I'm talking, like, this December. Like, we have, like, a December similar to, like, this year's uh, January. I don't know if that's really a good idea. Like, you know what month, you know what weeks I'm talking about. Like, I, I can't, I don't remember it. I'm not smart. We stumble coming out of the gate next season. Look, if saying. we have, like, a few bad weeks like we've had this season, like, we slide a few games to teams we should beat, and wrestlers like, you know what, I can't do this anymore. I'm tired of Schlink. Like, he's batting 250 on the year. You know, we traded three picks for Bruno Fernando. We drafted Omari <laughs> Spellman with a first. The pride of our franchise, Paul Millsap, was actually the reason why we got that first, you know? Hate to bring that up. Do you think wrestlers like, yeah, we're firing Schilling? What right. do you think our next GM is? Like, do you think we go after someone that, like that's going to like, hey, like, let's kind of like retool the team a bit? Or somebody's like, yeah, let's keep building on what's already here and try and hit the playoffs. Because I think it's the second one, just knowing wrestler from like the stories. So I think that wrestler and Schlenk actually have a pretty good relationship. 100% they do. And I think that if the absolute earliest – that anything would happen to Schlenk would have to be about this time next year. Hmm. Yeah. Around the trade deadline? Yeah, probably. No, no around like the all-star break, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, that seems to be a popular time for people in charge of this team to be fired. <laughs> Sorry, Lloyd. Rip Bozo. Oh, my God. I think Schlenk gets at least another year, even if worse comes to worse. I, I, I just, yeah, he's for sure getting another offseason, but he really doesn't have a lot of wiggle room. Like, there is not going to be cap space. You have a legitimate question, and should we bring back Tony Snell? And if we should, how do we make the space for it? You have the whole John Collins situation. You have a draft pick, which, I mean, 
no idea where it'll be, but you could legitimately go like the Hawks right now. You could, if you told me like, Hey, I came from the future. The Hawks picked in the top three in the draft. You'd be like, Oh wow. We, we that's, that's definitely possible. And you're like, Oh, Hey, we, we got the 17th pick in the draft. I'd be like, Oh, makes sense as well. Like, Schlank is just, he's not going to have an easy go of it this offseason. He's really going to have to make stuff happen. And, like, it's going to be tough. It's going to be the toughest year for, or offseason for him yet. And it's also going to be the offseason, like, he has the most pressure on him. So it'll be interesting to see how he, how he handles it. This is going to be the first time where he's going to have to make moves around the margins in an effort of winning. 100%. He, yeah. Like, last, he actually has to, like, use, like, his brain instead of, like, just be like, yeah, we can throw money at this guy. Yeah, we can like trade for this guy and see if he works. Like he actually exactly. has to like play GM. Exactly, it's because this past off season he was just bidding against himself, basically, which is fun. But you know, anybody with a phone and the title can do that. So this is like he has to actually make moves around the margins with the group that he thinks that has the best chance of winning, which you know is not going to be the eleven odd healthy rotation guys that we have right now and it's it's interesting because like last offseason like like you guys pretty much just said he was only making the big moves to sort of just throw money at the wall and see what sticks move and the one peripheral type move i guess he made two like peripheral moves one was signing solomon hill which for all intents intents and purposes has worked out decently well like solomon hill's been yeah solid enough um, but the other one, which everyone loved at the time, was Chris Dunn. And Kyle called the friggin' shot. No, he's coming back like, next week. Don't care. Not listening to this. This is slander. He's not coming back ever, I swear. No, he's, he's coming back next week. Words bond. But yeah, that, that was the other peripheral move from Schlenk, and he has yet to play a single minute. I don't even know if the dude's like actually practiced besides just jogging. So, well, he was jumping recently. <laughs> God. It's a good. It's a good thing Chris Dunn doesn't have to practice shooting anyway, because it's not like you want him shooting. So he just has to remember how to run and like use his hands. How do you always like? Where does he fall in place when he comes back? Imagine that they're imagine Reddish and Hunter are healthy. Where's backup point guard? See, I think that would be awful. That'd be a disaster. I, I yeah, like Jackson seems to really want him to get a shot as backup point guard, and well, who else is going to play backup point guard? Are you really going to keep going to Rondo? I think you have to do this like Suedo no back uh, backup point guard thing that they've been doing, where you just got to roll out like Herder, Bogey, Reddish. See, Bogey legitimately works. Herder, I'm tired of the backup point guard experiment because if that's what you want to do, commit to it. Instead of, you know, like, randomly deciding, like, yeah, let's start him. We need to start committing the stuff. And the first thing I would do is I'd be like, hey, Rondo, like, we, we obviously overpaid you. You're kind of trash at this now. Like, you did a lot for the Celtics. You won a title last year. Like, thank you. It, for, well, also, I'd tell Brandon Goodwin and Bruno Fernando to fuck off if I was, if I was chilling. Like, I would literally <laughs> yeah, just tell him, I'd come into the office next week and just be like, hey, both of you guys are leaving. There's no G League this year. Um, go play in, like, Europe or something. Like, I don't care. Like, you know, thank you, Bruno. You have a funny haircut that's fun to make fun of. Thank you, Goodwin. You no. have, like, good Twitch streams. And then I'd just go out and I'd be like, you know what? Let's try a Shabazz Napier. Let's try an Emmanuel Moutier. Like, I don't care anymore. Anything is better than Brandon Goodwin and Bruno Fernando. You're actually, in some way, could be doing them a favor, too, because their money's guaranteed. They're going to get that for 
regardless if they're on the team or not. This isn't their last and, NBA paycheck, so they should use Well, yeah, but if in their minds, they don't think that way. So they they could be like, you know, I could double dip this season. If I go get a minimum guaranteed from, like, I don't know, Phoenix Suns. Well, then, you see, like, Damian Jones is literally, like, playing games for the Lakers. There's some team that's going to be like, yeah, look at Bruno Fernando. He has a cool haircut, has a cool name. Bruno the Bull, <laughs> the pride of Angola, Africa. Like Bruno definitely would definitely get picked up by someone. I don't know if Brandon would. Oh, no. no, no. Brandon Goodman would get picked up by a, a stream team luminosity, I think. <laughs> Bruno at least has enticing, like, physical tools. But if you just watch more than, like, 30 seconds from play, you're like, oh, yeah, this guy's not an NBA player. Well, man, what game was that the other night? That stretch was just abhorrent. You could say any game that Bruno played in, bring up a stretch that was horrible, any of them would work. So don't feel free. Don't feel bad if you don't get the exact game right. Yeah. What was it? I think it may have been the first. I actually don't remember. It was the first heat game. I know exactly what stretch y'all are talking about now. There's a few games where it was, like, we had to take a combo out because he was so bad, and then we had to put Bruno in because Capella can't play 40 minutes a night, and then Bruno was even worse. And so I forget if Lloyd or Nate was a coach at this time, but like they were just sputtering, like, what the hell do we do Like when Capella's not on the floor because Okongu and Bruno are both just so awful right now. The players just and, quit on Lloyd. They're like, you know, we don't care how bad they are. We're not trying. Like, you know what? We're, we're waiting for Nate, but... Nate didn't play yeah, Bruno I, or Brandon Goodwin of the game. He's coach, so you know what? I'm all on board. Excuse he don't him. play Skylar Mays either. He 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 gives he gives Tony his due though. I'll, I'll shout out Nate for that. Look, he that's gives a sacrifice we have to deal with. Is not playing Skylar just so we don't have to see Bruno and Brandon. It's fine with me. I'll take it. I'm sorry. I kind of yeah. like Skylar. I think he does some of the role player things that like you like to see. But truthfully, anything that just like stop Bruno and Brandon Goodwin from being on the court, just yes. No, I mean. I'm not, I'm not the biggest Skylar Mays guy, but... It would have had to have been the Orlando game or the Boston game. I think it was the... Uh, I, think I it really was don't remember. Game. They, they all just they all just intertwine at some point. You're, you know, it's a lot easier to recount the, the rare good game that Bruno or Congo Dude, has. I actually have, like, a hot take. I genuinely think I'd start as Isaiah, Humphrey, Isaiah Humphreys over... Um, Isaac... Isaac Humphrey Wait, over Bruno, yeah. straight up. Oh, man. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. But, Deontay yeah. Davis? Deontay Davis, definitely. You know. Yeah, it's definitely Deontay Davis. We should bring him back. Him. What's he up to? Somebody go figure out what Deontay Davis is up to. I thought that was a good pick when it happened. I did. I, I liked Deontay Davis out of college, and then I liked him when we picked him up, and then they just... We were, oh, yeah, we traded for him, didn't we? No, we or picked him we, up. He was I, a free agent. Yeah, we, oh, yeah, we just signed him. I wonder what he's up to nowadays. He's uh, 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 might be on a G League team, I think. No, but no he's not. Uh, oh man, yeah. I, I don't know what Deonta Davis is up to. Hey, he he got that first round pick back though, so good for him. Look, he also but, has a clothing line. Not a lot of people know that. Should we cop some Deonta wow. Davis clothes? To, you know? Wow, not a lot of people own the clothing either. So, I mean, yeah, no, he didn't play in the G League this year. I thought he, I think he might have last year. But. He did last year, not this year. Though. I don't know what Deontay Davis is up to. Look, Deontay Davis, you listen to this podcast, hit up somebody in Atlanta, see if you could come back, dog. I'll take you. He might be better than a Kongwu. I don't know if I'm ready to say that. I don't know. Uh, eh, I don't think I so. Get, I guess since we're, uh, I don't know, speaking of young players, sort of recent draft picks, 
we were talking with Kyle a little beforehand, and I just wanted to say this because I think it's a slightly hot take, but um, Kyle, you sort of have a, a, a semi-bold take about what you sort of would prefer the Hawks do the rest of the season and sort of in relation to the draft. Yeah, so let me pull up the schedule real quick. I really think there's a four or five game stretch at the beginning before the eight game uh, road trip. And I think the eight game road trip starts after the trade deadline. But there's that four. Let me pull it up real quick. No, you're all good. Feel free to feel free to, you know, do whatever you need to. I, I do think because right after the um break, so I guess starting on Thursday and the next few games after that, the games look pretty easy. But that road trip is just it, it's going to be tough to win like two or three out, out of those eight games. Like it, it, it is brutal scheduling. And um, I'm, I'm really missing those days where we could just play the Pistons and the Timberwolves, man. You know, like, David averaged good. four points and four rebounds with us. Why didn't we sign him? Oh my gosh! Oh, he shot sixty percent from three throw. That's not good. It's not ideal. I mean, well, Kyle's looking at the thing, so I feel like I'm free to do this. Yeah, no, I mean it makes sense. It, it's you know, if there is ever a time to do that. Yeah. So our first one, two, three, four, five after the break. So trade deadline is March twenty fifth, right? Our first five after break, March 11th through March 18th, are the Toronto Raptors in Tampa, the Kings in Atlanta, the Cavaliers in Atlanta, the Rockets in Houston, and then the Thunder in Atlanta. Those are five winnable games. I think you've got to go at the minimum three to five, preferably four and five. The outcourse of that little stretch right there I think really should dictate the way, the rest of the season because those like I said no excuse to losing any of those games all those teams are te- other than the Raptors I guess you could say are teams that you should beat pretty handedly so say they were to lose three out of five out of that so that puts you at what you're gonna be you'd tw- be five games under 500 at that you'd, point yeah you'd be five games under 500 Wait, no, it'd be more than that. Oh, no, yeah, you're right. It'd be five games under 500. At that point, you know, I think it's you're starting the eight-game West Western Conference road trip after that. I think it's probably time to pull the plug, and that's when you start looking for Collins deals. Maybe you try to dump Gallinari if you can. But, yeah, I think that, that first week – coming up here is going to be really telling for the way the rest of our season is going to go. That's a good point because like straight up, if like you said, if, if they don't go above 500, because I'm not a super pessimistic guy, but I don't see any way in which we go like above 500 or even 500 on the eight game road trip. Like I just don't see it. Um, and so if by the end of those 13 games, like, the first 13 games of the second half season, if you lost, like, 10 out of those 13, you're too far in the hole, man. You just need to, like, like you said, try try your hardest to get, get rid of Gallinari, really test the market for John, maybe test the market for Tony Snell, because at that point, what, what good is Tony Snell going to be for us when we're, like, 11 games under 500, right? Whereas Tony Snell could be a very valuable role player for a contender. Just, yeah, I, I would pretty much agree, but the, those five games in particular, if you don't, like, if you lose to the Cavs again, if you lose to the Thunder again, the Raptors, I'm okay with losing to, but if you lose to the Cavs and the Thunder, it's like, 
something's clearly just wrong. Like, you can only blame the DeAndre Hunter injury for so much because it doesn't matter. You should, you should still beat the Cavaliers no matter what. I have, us, five three, Cavs, I have us going five and three on the road trip. Yeah, you, oh my God. yeah, I think that's a little far-fetched. <laughs> well, no, I, we, we lose to the Clippers, the first two. We beat the Kings and the and Golden State and Denver just because we always have Denver's number. Um, we lose to Phoenix just because they're good and I like them. And then we beat San Antonio and New Orleans just because they both suck. No offense to them. I just don't see San how we beat. San is playing really good right now. I don't Are they really? Like, yeah. I, I, mean, I don't get them in the West. They're like, what? Wow, six? they're first in the division. What? They're better than the I don't. I don't see how we beat Golden State. No, we're just better than Golden State. Who do we have to defend Curry? Yeah, but who do they have to defend two right. through ten? Like, and also Wiseman's just... terrible. Did y'all know that? I did not know that. I don't watch the Warriors. I did not know James Wiseman was terrible. Guess he's what? not terrible, but he's no, 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 no. Definitely... I, I have a stat for you, and this is going to be a this is a bit of a segment on the show. Logan, do you know what time it is? It's time for Jackson's Raptor stat of the day. Can y'all guess oh who the in a, at a minimum of 514 minutes played, the worst offensive player of this league, coming in at negative seven, is James Wiseman. Because of Marcus Bowman didn't qualify. Look, look, Nick. <laughs> uh, there are some honorable mentions. We'll go ahead and hand out those awards. Uh, Darius Baisley, uh, Rodney Hood, uh, Bismack Biombo. So these guys just don't know how to play. Where's Cam Reddish on that? Uh, he's ahead of Wiggins. Uh, two hundred nineteen. There's no way he's ahead of Wiggins. Two hundred nineteen. He's ahead of Edwards too. Well, that makes sense. Anthony Edwards has not been. He's, an, he's, he's not been points, an advanced that guy. Russ. You know what? I'm kind of into this. I'm digging it. I'm not. Raptor is such a weird stat, man. It's it's I, it's a it's fun to look at. You know, it's it's not something it, you should take as you know word bond, but. It is something that you can quote when it fits your narrative. I like Raptor. I like LeBron. I think all those metrics are pretty good. I looked. LeBron actually kind of like rates Trey higher than I expected them to. I looked at it the other day. I've actually never looked at the LeBron stat. Yeah. Well, it has Joel Embiid as MVP, which is cool. I'm down with that. I kind of, I kind of got tired of all the acronym stats. Like, I kind of, like, come on, man. Like, are we gonna have a new one every single year? Objectively, Carmelo was the coolest one. (laughs) PIPM. Pip, yeah, D Pip. God, the first time I heard a D Pip, I, I about cried. I, I was so sick of the the nerds, man. I had Spurs fans coming to me about how Derek White's D Pip was so much better than Trey's. And what about his five year D Pip about look? <laughs> God, <laughs> why is Thaddeus Young so good? Wait, we should trade for Thad Young. Thoughts? Yeah, a lot of a lot of teams. Uh... Fan bases of teams are like, let's trade for Thad Young. I don't think Chicago has any interest in uh, trading Thad Young. He's yeah, really, important, really important to what they have going on right now. Dude, if you Chicago go by has the playoffs after, the we're, we're 6.8 points better on defense when Hunter's out there. Oh, my God. What a God. Um, I mean, yeah. Hunter's been, yeah. Dude, Paul George is underrated. People hate on this guy for nothing. Definitely no bias for me there, but. I, I legitimately think Jackson Jackson could just have a, a Raptor podcast. <laughs> I, I admittedly, all right, we probably need to talk about something else. Okay, first things first. You know, we've talked about LP. Oh, I was gonna ask you. You are you kind of gave like a brief thoughts on Nate. Can I get like some some more thoughts on him? Like, do you think he's like a possible long term option? I personally would not explore that, but yes, I think he is. You think he's a candidate for long term? I think he's a long-term candidate for all the same reasons that I expect them to interview people like Dave Yeager. 
if that makes sense. Dude, I don't know. Dave Yeager. I actually have a funny story about Dave Yeager. All right. So I'm in the uh, Sacramento Kings Discord. You know, that's, I mean, just, it's kind of fun. I have some friends in there. A guy used to live in the same neighborhood as Dave Yeager. And this is a true story. I have pictures and everything. Dave Yeager, apparently, during like uh, his last season there, he hit this family's mailbox. It, it obviously destroyed it. I mean, he hit it with a car. Come on now, people. So the family was like, hey, Dave. They came over to his house. They are like, hey, Dave, can you pay for this mailbox? And Dave was apparently like, no. So when Dave got fired from the Kings, the day he left town, apparently, he came over, he dropped off a $1,000 check at their doorstep and left. That's, that's the story. Yeah, I learned nothing from that. Well, no, it's basically just saying that he's a bit of an asshole. So, like, you know, we already kind of dealt with, like, some of our players being bullied by uh, Lloyd. So. Or he gave somebody $1,000 for a mailbox. This I, I was going to say, that that just endeared me to him. Yeah, I mean, like, that is real, but it was a few months he, later. Like, they, they had to, like, get a new mailbox in the meantime. I mean, hey, that's how it goes sometimes. He, he also hit it with a car. They thought he was drunk as well, so. But that is, that is actually. I mean, if you're hitting mailboxes, you're probably not sober. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I, I, I've had the occasional uh, mailbox sober. Wait, are you, are, you know, <laughs> are you serious? Okay, at one time, right. this isn't going to be a mailbox podcast, don't worry, but yeah, um, on Christmas, I, I went to one of my, like, childhood friend's house, well, it's like his parents' house, you know, he, he doesn't have his own house, um, and I, I, my, my mom made him, I figured what, it was some sort of baked good, and she was like, go bring this to their house, and I did, and they have a really weird driveway, and I was backing up, and I... My Christmas present to them was I fucked up their mailbox. Um, and I won't incriminate myself any further. So I won't disclose whether or not I hit and, hit and ran or if I went in and told them. So, Wait, yeah, that was um, your childhood friend. You better have told them, did you? I was embarrassed, but I did I did eventually like go back to the house and was like, hey, uh, if you need help with your mailbox, I kind of messed it up. <sighs> It, it was not my. It's not my greatest moment. But at the same time, I was like, I'll, I'll just ruin their Christmas if I tell them that I messed up their mailbox. So you know, not my proudest moment. You know, I. I this is your fault, Jackson, for bringing up the mailbox story. You're the I just Lloyd Pierce's. You're the Lloyd Pierce of dra- driving out of back, um, backing out of driveways and hitting mailboxes. Okay, we should probably stop on the mailbox. That was. That was just an awful. That was. I, that we got to work on those analogies. We well, really got to work on those yeah, analogies. Yeah, we do. We do. Anything I can slander or load with. All right. Logan, you're, do you think Nate Millen's a long-term option? Uh, I'm pretty much in the same boat as Kyle. He's for sure going to get interviewed, unless unless the second half of the season is a complete disaster, he's going to get interviewed. Um, it's I just, just he, I, just, I just look back to those Pacers teams of recent, and they played so slow for how this yeah. team would. You really want them to play fast, so I don't know if that was him like matching up to personnel. Be like, hey, we have. Brogdon and Sabonis were just going to play half court and just doggy down, or if that's just like, oh, this is I'm Nate McMillan and this is how I play. So that's really important. I mean, Jaeger would obviously fix that because he plays at what the fastest pace in the league, or at least he did when he was with the Kings. I will. I will say, like, if if the offense can just that worked out well, by the way. Yeah. If the offense can just get back into like the top 10 in the league sort of range. And yeah, I think you have to at least consider Nate because that's a big drawback with Nate was he has sort of an antiquated offense, but I think Kyle brought up a good point. Like, it's not like Indiana had super lightning quick personnel. Like ever since the people got injured. I mean, yeah, but he's still a center, a center who can only do one thing on offense. So it's still one, but he's 
slow guy, yeah. I mean, they just had a bunch yeah. of slow guys. I don't know if that's a name yeah. thing or if that's a... Uh... It's completely for... And, like, post-injury Oladipo, it's like, you know, it's you don't have any really explosive guys there. You just sort of have technical, skilled big men in, like, Brogdon. So it's... It was troublesome, and I feel like worthy of bringing up that after he did get fired, it seemed like a lot of the people calling for his neck were important players on that team. I specifically like Malcolm Brogdon and TJ Warren. So and those are like pretty like calm tempered dudes. So I don't know. It's just like a lot of that situations where when the Lloyd got fired, obviously that expose article came out about him. I don't know. And then when they got fired in Indiana, a similar situation happened with him. I don't know if, and Nate and Lloyd are friends. I don't know. You know, old habits die hard. You don't want to like bring in the same person you just fired. Yeah. I, Allegedly, Nate and Trey seem to get along a little bit better just because Trey relates to Nate because Nate was a point guard in the NBA. But if if Malcolm Brogdon is mad at you, then I think there's clearly some sort of disconnect there, and, and there's just no reason to like bringing back another Lloyd that loses the locker room and loses like the respect of his guys. So it's gonna be a tough job um, because I mean, besides Nate, you just sort of have names like Kenny Atkinson or. Vanderpool or maybe Becky Becky Hammond, but I don't know. It, it's very it's 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 a weird spot to be because I'm not really sure where the Hawks should go coaching wise. My stance uh, on Nate and like this is like my official stance. I would interview him, but I would only do it as a courtesy interview. There's no way in hell I bring the guy back. And like I, I make memes about like extending Nate just because I think they're funny. But here's my thing: Have you? There's a quote, and I don't want to try and say it because I don't know it. There's a quote: "Don't marry the first person you date after a breakup." It's something like that. That's not it exactly. And also, I just don't think Nate really fits the team. And also, what Kyle said, very good point. Look, if Malcolm Brogdon and T.J. Warren, like those guys, seem kind of nice, like in like non Jimmy Butler heated situations for Warren. I think they're both, like, nice guys, you know. Malcolm Brogdon just kind of seems like a Walter Payton Man of the Year type candidate. So, <laughs> I mean, I mean, straight up, like, I don't think I'd bring back McMillan. So, I guess this is my question. And I, I only want one answer because I don't want us to be sitting here discussing coaches. You guys, you're in schlink shoes. You're, you're schlink for the day. So, um, you're bald, first of all. So, deal with that. Oh, man. And you also, you, you get to pick one coach right now. Who do y'all go with? I'll go ahead and go first. I'm going with Kenny Atkinson. That's my guy. And I'm waiting until the season over. I'm like, Kenny, here's a blank check. We've seen what you've done with Jeff Teague in Atlanta as an assistant. We've seen what you did with D'Lo. Like, you completely fixed D'Lo. You made him like D'Lo into an all-star, even though it was a replacement all-star. But, I mean, who cares? It was a Mickey Mouse all-star. It was a Mickey Mouse all-star. But Mickey Mouse rings, all-stars still count. And then, like, you worked with uh, you've worked with Kyrie, which, like, he didn't really play a hand in, like, developing him. Schroeder, he played a part as an assistant coach in Atlanta. I think you're just like, Look, Trey's our star player. You come in, you teach this guy how to like be better, and then like also fun fact: I went back and looked at D'Lo's Raptor numbers from those seasons. They were a lot oh, better God. than they were now, and in the Warriors, which could be the fact that you know these teams have just been terrible. But I just want to say, hey, I'm saying Kenny, like uh, anything you need, anything you want, like here, like do it, like as long as you're not like trading Trey, you're not like trading away like half the roster or like a certain like crop of guys that Schlink likes, which is AKA means Cam Reddish just calls, you know, that's uh that's Schlink's baby. He, he's not going to do anything with him. That's what I'm doing. So I, I guess I want to hear y'all. So it's like, who's your one coach you're going to? And you're like, this is my guy. Like, let's do, let's get him. Oh, uh, Kyle can go ahead. I think Kyle was about to say something before he got. So I, I have, I have three answers. 
I have a serious answer, a Homer answer, and then a joke answer. My uh, Homer answer, which actually makes all the sense in the world but will never happen, would be I'm writing a blank check and I'm calling Kentucky's athletic director and I'm being like, hey, can we have permission to interview John Calipari? And I'm going to give him whatever amount of money he wants to the world and I'm going to take my young roster of Trey Young, John, uh, if John's there, DeAndre Hunter, Clint Capella, and we're just going to rock the world and we're going to kill free agency and we're going to use all of our Kentucky connections and just win titles for we're next Malik day. Monk, $15 million a year? Wow. <laughs> we're going to bring back Daniel Orton. We're going to trade for Darius Miller. We're going to do all the things. Daniel and we're Hamilton, back. <laughs> you're, you're doing what uh, – what your Jaguars did. That'd be your Homer answer. Yeah, my joke answer would be, I'm calling the Iona AD, and I'm going to bring back Rick Pitino. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's just <laughs> awful. Just everything about that, Just I got shivers down my spine for that one. So he could say next year, Solomon Hill ain't walking through that door. Rajon Rondo ain't walking through that door. <laughs> Tony Snell ain't walking through that door. No. Uh, we need Tony Snell to walk back through that door. Extend on, Tony Snell, baby. On a serious note, uh, for a lot of the things you said, and this is a guy, I brought it up earlier in the podcast, and this is also kind of a Homer answer, but it's also what I think is where the league is going and how I think our team can reach its highest potential. I would go get Chauncey Billups. He almost got the Pacers job before uh, – what's the dude's name Bjorken Nate Bjorken got it and you know our team we have a point guard led team our best player is Trey Young he needs somebody that can really relate to him he has this personality that you know doesn't really mesh with all types of people and I would just go get somebody that's been ahead you know like a lead guard in the league has reached the you know, mountaintops that Trey wants to get to and can relate to him on a personal level. So, yeah, I'd try to go get Chauncey Billups off the Clippers bench and I would roll with it from there. That's kind of interesting that we I both went it, with Clippers assistant coaches. Like, there's nothing like I, – I don't have a point about that. It's just interesting. Like, that's obviously a good staff that Ty Lue put together. <laughs> it's It's interesting because – instinctually I'd be like, I don't want another first time head coach. Like what if we just have another Lloyd situation? But at the same time, like there's a reason why all the other like non first time head coaches like Vanderpool or Atkinson, there's a reason why they aren't head coaches right now. It's like, they aren't amazing coaches. They, they, they're somewhat proven, but it's not like they're Greg Popovich or like Eric Spolstra. So yeah, I, I'm, I truthfully, I don't know the exact answer of like the guy I would go for, but um, I don't think there is that vet that you could bring in. Like, yeah. Tom Thibodeau. I have a hot take. Situation. Yeah, I, I agree with Kyle there. David just not Platt. L-O-L. Oh. <laughs> that seems like, that seems like just the worst pairing okay, with Trey Young ever. But who knows? That, that was kind of the messed up joke. I apologize to David Platt. Yeah, I didn't even hear it, but I'm pretty sure I know what you said. And I'm just going to pretend you didn't say that. You know what? We... After we are not going to get Myers Leonard on the <laughs> podcast, damn it. After a certain NBA player's uh, actions today, we would just like to say we do not condone bullying or insults. But, all right, who, who's your answer, Logan? Give it to me. Or racial slurs. Yeah. So, Logan, who, who's um, your coach that you're going with? Like, I want to hear it. Like, straight up. Give it to me. 
Honestly, so I don't want to say Kenny Atkinson because you said that. Um, oh, I stole your answer? So, you got to complete the trifecta of the Clippers bench and go Sam Cassell. Sam Cassell's with oh, the that'd Sixers. Be, that'd be, it actually that'd be, could get interviewed. It would that'd probably be, be a good choice. I feel Sam Cassell, something about those good role players, they just turn out to be good coaches, man. But honestly, Sam Cassell's with the Sixers. Vanderpool's Van like the guy to God. me. So, uh, in honor of yesterday being National Women's Day, I, I'm gonna go with Becky Hammond, man. Some, okay. some about that, something about those uh, San Antonio Spurs coaches when they don't drink and drive, allegedly. Uh, you know, they just they're good coaches. Um, I like that. I also like uh, Ime Udoka, who I think is still on their bench too. Pretty sure. Oh my gosh, the Clippers have Larry Drew. Is it time for him to come back? God no, or Mike Woodson. Yeah. My oh Mike Brown, God, yeah, yeah, I don't know if Kyle heard, but there was an episode where Jackson met, mixed up Mike Brown and Mike Woodson, which was which is embarrassing, man. You can't you start the tagline of the podcast with lifelong Hawks fans, and you you forget Mike Woodson. Come on, man. I you know that, that's fair. Call me out on it. that famous gif of Mike Woodson. He's on our bench. Like, come on, but whatever. Mike yeah, Jones, I think I go rapper. Becky. God. I think I go back. Yeah, I think I don't. I, I don't know. I, to, to me, it just it's, it, I, if you're learning from a guy like Popovich, I think you clearly have some merit there. But the Hornets coach also learned from Popovich, and he's just like straight up not good. Okay, it's not a perfect Borrego, yeah. perfect system. He's awesome. What are you, you talking? You about? like Borrego? He's incredible. I'm, yeah, he's I, okay, one of the best straight up, in the league. I'm not going to defend this take because I straight up never watched the Hornets except for when they beat our ass. But like, I, oh, they're I, awesome. Yeah, I, I'm in good. Co- I'm in good contact with a few Hornets fans. They don't like him at all. I don't see how the who, Hornets could be mad at him. Yeah, who, who's walking in and coaching up Devontae Graham? Oh, great, Wait. he's been hurt. But Terry Rozier, Maga Hayward, Bismack playing like, like a damn star, like. Cody Zeller missed a month with a broken hand. I'm pretty sure they're like the sixth seed. Maybe the yeah. No, but I think the Knicks are the fifth. I'm just shocked that a Hornets fan wouldn't be completely elated with how this season has gone so far. Dude, Javari Parker has an offensive Raptor of negative eight point three in defensive one of negative. Oh my! Will you close the Will you close the Raptor tab? (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. He's only played in like two games. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't, I don't, I don't keep up with Javari Parker. When he was gone, I was like, thank God. There's there's another classic badge slank move, signing Jabari Parker but with also, the player option with the six and a half million. But we got off of the player option. option and we got Tony Snell out of it. We do have to remember that. Has nothing to do with that. No, we didn't. No, we traded Jabari <laughs> and Alex Lynn for uh, Deadman and Deadman for Snell. Oh, I guess if you look at it that way, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I am looking at it that way. I apologize. Yeah, you you should because I, I you made me feel bad for a second, but. You know, it is what it is. Okay, we should probably move into like the main topic of this episode, which was us talking about trades. If y'all are all ready. Sure. We're, uh, you know, the the trade situation is interesting because realistically, it's hard to imagine it being a super active trade deadline specifically for the Hawks. But two key things go into that. One, the Shanks explicitly made a comment last week after the Lloyd firing. Uh, I don't want to misquote him, but he said something to the effect of we had to make a change and it wasn't going to be trading players because that's the last thing you want to do. Something to that effect. So that's one. He basically said he doesn't want to make any moves. Two, you got to look at 
in situations like these where the like half your roster has been hurt for majority of the season, teams typically aren't jumping at the bit to make a move because they look at it as their move is somebody coming back that they already had. So it's more apt that teams are likely to make a move if they've been healthy and they've seen what they have with the group that they have, and they're like, this is our ceiling and we need to do something else. When you can't see that ceiling on a nightly basis, then you're not going to be prone to do something that could be substantial. So, so you don't think the Hawks are doing anything at the trade deadline, basically? I would be really surprised. And if they do, it's going to be something really lame, like, you know, Brandon Goodwin to the Detroit Pistons for 2026 second round pick or something like that. Top like, 55 <laughs> protected. Yeah, it's going to be something <laughs> like that. Exactly. Logan, what, what's your stance? Do you think we do anything at the trade deadline? Because after before Kyle said that, I was like, we might, we'll do something. But now I'm like, you know what? He's on to something here. We might do nothing at all. Well, that that slant quote definitely. We're not like I've been saying this for a while. I John Collins, if he's being traded, it's going to be a sign and trade, or we're just going to retain him. Tony Snell, he's not salary filling no more. Tony Snell is a very valuable rotation piece for us. We're holding on to him unless we get some sort of stupid like King's ransom for Tony Snell in a package. I think there's a chance we trade like a pick, not necessarily a first, not necessarily, you know, the OKC pick or whatever, but some sort of picks. Like we, we don't trade away any players besides maybe a Brennan Goodwin or Bruno Fernando for like a rotation piece back, um, sort of back of the rotation. That's about all I could really see happening. Um, and you're likely not getting a back of the rotation piece on one of those guys. You're just getting a contract somebody else doesn't want or something, you know, very, yeah. very minimal. You're getting a guy that might play two, three games the rest of the season. Yeah. I could see a, a classic uh, schlank just building goodwill within the league and just like make another scale of type trade. I could see that type of thing happening. Um, but. Yeah, besides that, I think the trade deadline as a whole is going to be super lame. Um, the buyout market is probably going to be more interesting than the trade deadline. Like, Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond, are, well, I don't think Andre Drummond's official yet, but it seems pretty likely that he'll either be bought out or traded for really cheap. Blake Griffin already was on the buyout market, so I, I ultimately the buyout market's going to be more interesting than the trade deadline. Not for the Hawks. The Hawks aren't going to get anybody in the <laughs> bio market either. But nobody's just dying to come to Atlanta right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. But did did any of y'all see that uh video of um Blake Griffin like dunking and stuff? It was from today. Yeah, I think it was like from back in November. Uh, I think there was definitely a lot to that. He wasn't in a good position for him at his point in his career in Detroit, where he was having to be like a one-two option when he's really like a fourth or fifth guy at this point. I mean, also, and I wouldn't put an effort for the for the Pistons. No offense. Shout out to Jeremy Grant. I like him, but I wouldn't. Also, if you tank your stock, you're more likely to get bought out because you have no trade value. So if he wanted all the control, he's going to go out there. I, somebody made up a really good point, too. They brought up his shooting percentages and how he's, uh, I think he's been shooting like 31% or something like that this year from three. Not a great number. And they're like, it's a lot different when you're taking threes at the end of the shot clock because you're having the ball in your hands and you're expected to make a play versus you're taking threes and, you know, Harden and Duran are on the court and you're just kind of left up and in the corner. So that's where that move is probably going to be end up being a lot better than people actually think. 
Well, they also might get Andre Drummond. I don't know if any of y'all saw that tweet by uh, NFL player Allen Robinson. He, he said he can go into the Nets. So I don't know if that's true or not, but it's out there if he gets bought out, which is looking likely. W- wait, if Drummond gets bought out, we should go after him? Is that stupid to say? Uh, Yeah, I mean, he's going to probably want the most TV time, so name recognition gets out for the next contract, plus, you know, guaranteed playoff. Also goes in with the name recognition as well. Yeah, that's fair. I, I just don't think it's gonna happen. All right, yeah, Drummond, I mean, he would make Drummond, sense, but then again, so would any like league average center. So Drummond does seem like the sort of typical guy that just like he's disconnected from what like the league actually values him as. Like he he values himself more than the league values him. So um, yeah, I, I, Andre Drummond's only going somewhere where he's actually getting real play time. Like. The Nets, I mean, hell, he'd probably be playing 25, 30 minutes a night on the Nets just because they have, like, no rebounding. But, yeah, I, don't, I really don't think we're going to be active bio market or trade market or anything. Like, the, like one thing, saying, the one thing that would happen would be, and it would happen to one of three guys, and the th- probably mainly two, not really the three. It would be Bruno, Fernando, Brandon Goodwin, and dare I say it, Solomon Hill, mm. which I don't, I think, I don't think that would happen simply because I think he's at two point one, and their other two are at one point seven mil for the rest of the season, so he's making more. But one of those guys gets waived, and you do that so that you free up an open rop- roster spot so that you can sign uh, Skylar Mays to a full deal. Oh yeah, that's what that's just more like an act. That's just more like an act of good faith despite the G League rule getting changed to where he can play for the rest of the... You don't really have to do it, but it's just more like, hey, you've done really well. We're going to give you years, and we're going to give you a pay increase as well. That's really all I would expect that would happen. But And that could happen by way of you know trading for a fake future second, as we joked about earlier with the Brandon Goodwin in Detroit for 2026 second. It could, be, it could look like that. But basically, just freeing up that roster spot so that you can sign Mace to a real deal. Yeah, that's I mean, you could trade both of them, pick up someone that you like. I don't know. There's a few names out there. That's a small move that I could see happening. Another one that we've talked about, and I've talked about on my Twitter quite a bit, that I could see happening a very specific deal, really only with one team. Uh, and it involves Rondo. I don't think Rondo gets traded unless it's a situation that's really favorable to him. You're putting him in a situation where he's going to be playing meaningful playoff minutes again. And the Clippers do have a backup point guard, or just in general, point guard problem. And, you know, they've been linked to, like, George Hill. They were linked to Rondo before during free agency. I think if you were in a position where you could trade Rondo to the Clippers for Lou Williams, who makes half a million dollars less this season, he makes eight, Rondo makes seven and a half, but you get off the seven and a half mil that you have Rondo next season and Lou's going to be a free agent. You don't have to bring him back. So basically you're just doing a straight salary dump. So you get Lou who will help you this season, maybe even more so than Rondo would, but you don't have to pay Rondo that seven and a half million next year, which would be, you know, probably substantial for us when you're looking at Gallinari and potentially paying John Collins as well. That that's the sort of trade that would be like honestly that trade would be, just be super fun. I have I can't imagine the Clippers would love doing that. I know Lou Will has not been, you know, Father Time is sort of sort of starting to show its uh like rear its head. 
with Lou Will. Um, so I could see the Clippers maybe wanting to make a change there. But, I mean, Lou Will coming back to Atlanta, that would just be so much fun. Like, that would just be, you know, it'd be a nice little nostalgic moment. But that uh, – I would I would have to imagine we'd have to throw in at least like a second round pick in that, but maybe maybe I'm sort of off base there. But I mean, I would still uh, do that just to get off Rondo. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I I would do that as well just to get off Rondo, but I don't think you would have to throw in the pick simply because uh, Lou Williams has been really bad in the playoffs the last couple of years. Mm. He, uh, he gets attacked in the pick and roll. He really hasn't had, and he doesn't have Trez anymore to like get all show on all. <laughs> and that like that combo worked like really well. Even though like I like to mean both of them now, but yeah, no joke. It actually that really did help out both of them. You see how you know both of them have declined being separated. It's it would help us out simply because Lou would go get a bucket on offense uh, on that second unit. I know it's really just one of those things where. It's a very marginal move, and that's what we were talking about earlier. Where it's like this offseason is going to be making moves around the margins. It's going to be a lot of smaller stuff like that. That's how this team's going to get changed. I think I see the the Clippers side of that trade now. Like they're they're straight up trading for playoff Rondo. I mean, you're straight up trading where, to like try and get that title, which you're gonna like. It's time to start doing. Like, it, I mean, it's time for them to start doing it, obviously. But now it's time to like start making those little moves on the margins that like get the Clippers closer to a title. And if you think that like. Rondo being the playmaker that he is gets you there, you very much do it. But if like you're getting the Rondo that's in Atlanta right now, then I'd be very scared to do it. But that's just me. Because yep. I, I we've that's all true. seen we've all seen like the ups and downs of Rondo, and like immediately like the ups were like very fun. Like you think back to the Pistons game, like there's been nights where he's just like a good playmaker. He calls plays on offense. But there's also been like moments, especially against that Cavs game, where Rondo like drives to the bucket, doesn't lay it up, and then just like throws like a pass out of bounds, and you're just like, yeah, well that's not good. Plus, uh, JC extension aside, like you just tabled that. If you trade Rondo, that could open up money for you to bring back Tony Snell on MLE type situation next year. So that's like uh, looking forward to the immediate future. That could be something that's really beneficial to you when you're looking at situations like the salary tax and, uh, or not salary tax, the luxury tax and things that you're going to be facing paying Trey. 40 odd million a year coming up in the future. So, yeah, clearing that money will be huge because with or without the John Collins extension, we just have none of it. And the roster is definitely not in sort of ideal shape. I think, on a sort of related note, I, I, I don't remember if I've really said this on the podcast, but I know I've tweeted this before. But in my eyes, I think at this point, dumping Gallinari's contract should be like a top priority for Schlenk. Like, if we do make a trade this deadline, I think that should be it. I know he provides some value right now, but it, it's just so bad. And that I think that $20 million next year could be spent almost anywhere else to make the roster better. So I was just curious if, because I know um, just sort of privately, Kyle and Jackson and I have sort of had discussions like that with sort of Gallinari trade scenarios just to dump his contract. So I, I was just curious if Gallinari's sort of recent success if you want to call it that um recent flashes in the pan have have sort of swayed your opinion on that or not or if you think it's even possible to get off of Gallinari's money at this point yeah that's actually a great question I feel like with how he's played in the last stretch right before the all-star break I think you owe it to him to give him that next five game stretch before you play the Lakers and the Clippers to see how he does against that competition and with that time off that he's had week plus with the all-star break to reassess him. And if you feel like 
you know, it's a lot of the more turnstile stuff and, you know, one out of every five games, he gives you firework shooting performance and yeah, it's probably time to move on. But if it's more of the same, what he has doing, then you probably just write it out. It's one of those things where like, if one of every five games, he, you know, pops off with four or five threes and he gets to the line a bunch and it's not worth it. But truthfully, like, two out of five games, three out of five games, if you can just get 15-plus points out of Gallo and him not be the worst defensive player in the NBA, like, you at least ride out with it for the remainder of the season. And maybe in the offseason, you look to sort of dump his contract. But Yeah, and you go back to the most immediate, uh, you know, when we last saw him, it was in that Orlando game and they had him running out of the five and crunch time against Vucevic and he was playing a great defense. So I feel like that's the last image that they have in their head of him. So they're not going to be probably burning up the phones right now. Now, a week from now, after we're after out of that five game stretch, then yeah, if you know, we lost three out of those five games and he wasn't playing well and they're like, well, here's what it is. Then yeah, it, he could be gone. Uh, and, that types of situations, you're looking at teams with cap space like the Knicks, Thunder, teams that can afford to. I mean, you could easily send them back to OKC and uh, d- dump off that lottery protected pick. That's kind of like a fake pick, anyways, back to them and unprotected. Like, this is really easy how you can get off that money. But, or previously, before the Myers Leonard situation, they were linked to Danilo Gallinari in the past. So there would have been a really easy deal there too with like a Linux plus Leonard. I don't know what's going to happen with that contract situation, but there are ways that you yeah. can get off that money pretty easily. Uh, it's just one of the situations where he's the biggest free agent where that you've signed in recent history and franchise history. And do you really just want to give up on an ever half the season? What look does that portray for the rest of the franchise? So it's, it's a really tricky situation. I think it trends more towards right now that they're just probably going to keep him heading into the summer. Yeah, that, that last part's a good point, because wh- how does that make Schlenk look if he, you know, dedicates all that, mo- all that like, those three years to him, fully guaranteed, $61.5 million, and after, like, Gallo's only played, what, like, 20, 25 games, and after that really small sample size, he just shifts him out. Definitely wouldn't be the best look, but... Plus, I you think- add into the anecdotal part, where it's, like, his wife was pregnant when they signed mm-hmm. here, they had the kid in Atlanta... Oh. Hey man, Schlank don't care about no kids. He'll fire your ass a week after. Yeah, I mean that's that's facts. That's really true, especially with you know Lloyd Pierce's newborn. But uh, yeah, he d- doesn't seem to care. About- it's just a bad look, and you know Gallinari is not like this pinnacle free agent, but he is a- he is a big name. So I just don't know if that's something that they're going to be rushing to yeah. attach themselves to. Yeah, yeah, Gallo's. Uh, I could see him us trading him like maybe on draft night. Just sort of, you know, of course, it all depends on how the second half of the season goes. That's, of course, a big question. A lot a lot of stuff is on the line. The and, you know, after what we've been talking about, we're looking at roughly $27.5 give or take, and change in expiring money next year between Gallinari and Rondo. When you factor in Gallinari's buyout, you're looking at like $22.5 after the five mil in 2022-2023. So that could be pretty, you know, looking good next season when you have all that expiring money. Not even factoring in Tony Snell if you bring him back on a one-year deal. 
how much yeah. buying money you could have for matching salary at next deadline. So, you know, it could it could be a situation where you're just like, hey, this is going to be our salary filler for next year if we can make a move, so we're just going to let it ride. And in that case, it would be extremely valuable just to hang on to him. That's a good point, too, because, yeah, I, I hadn't really thought of Gallo as, like, salary filler yet because, you know, he's a big signing. You want him to just be an actual good player instead of filler. But legitimately, next season, that 20 mil plus Rondo 7.5, even though figures minus, cross, honestly. Minus the 5, yeah. It, it could be, it, it be a pretty good situation to be in. So. Although, fingers crossed, on hope Rondo retires after the season. He won't. Because why leave $7.5 million on the table? But he's, he's Yeah, no, it would have to be a situation where they like let him interview for the head coaching job yeah. and he got like, a fat coaching deal, like a yeah. five-year deal. Yeah, it would have to be something like that. Yeah, not going to happen, but, you know, I guess I can. You know, you know I'll, just, I'll just wish Rondo the best. Hopefully he bounces back or hopefully playoff Rondo is real because it's been, it's been an ugly first half of his tenure. But... Yeah, I don't know. Jackson, do you have any, any thoughts on that sort of situation? On the Gallo situation? Yeah, sure. Straight up, I, I still think he's valuable to contenders. Like, n- no doubt about it. Um, Here's the thing, though, with Gallo. Is that, as much as I agree with like what Kyle was saying about how he can be a trade piece that, next year, I, I feel like if he's impacting the team like in a harmful way, like... Like we've seen it this time, like this year. Like there's been times this year where Gallo's been the easiest person on the floor to target. Like he's been the worst defender in the NBA, and then his shot's not going in. It's just all bad. So I don't know. I mean, obviously, I don't don't know. Like if he's if he's impacting the team like that, then I think you have to look to get rid of him sooner than that. And that could be mean like before the trade deadline in a few weeks, or even like in the off season or something before next year. But I really don't have like a bunch of thoughts about Gallo. That's not my expertise. You have an expertise? I mean, you know, I slandering Clippers Lloyd Pierce. Random. Okay. Chill, yeah. chill, chill. You're pretty good at it. <laughs> I still get called I, out about I, that. You you deserve to be called out for that. I hope you realize that. I don't care. It is what it is. Yeah. I think before we wrap up, I'll just have one last little, uh, one, one last sort of question, primarily for Kyle, because Jackson and I have sort of talked about this ad nauseum, but Kyle, just... Quick little summary. What do you ultimately expect is like the end result? Let's say, let's say a year from now, what's the end result of the John Collins saga? Like, do you think, like, where do you think he'll be at? And maybe what type of contract do you think he'll be on? I think that they beat other teams to the punch and restricted free agency and they go ahead and give them whatever they can, the max, and they just go ahead and sign them to it and they deal with the outfall later. Uh, I think. Yeah, I think they're just going to go ahead and do it. Not really play the RFA game. I think they're just going to go ahead. And, because there's going to be a team like Dallas or somebody that just goes ahead and gives them a big offer sheet. So I think they try to beat them to the punch. Yeah, I, I, Dallas apparently is prepared to offer him 28 a year. And frankly, you know, be silly on their part. But I see no reason for the Hawks to not just beat him to the punch, like you said, and just give him what he wants. You should be able to trade him later on, assuming he doesn't fall off a cliff. And John's a good player. He's he's pretty much always gotten better over time. There's no reason to expect that he'll get paid and then just like pull an uh, Albert Hainsworth and just fall off the face of the earth. So, you know, I, I I agree with that. I'm glad we have a you know not like Jackson, who's 
itching at every turn to just trade John Collins for it's a, a fun topic to talk about. Like is Ma- Malik Beasley in a it is a fun topic to talk. It is fun topic to talk about, but like it's it's just so hard. You go through the teams and you go through the teams with cap space, and you're just like, well, they're not going to do this because they could just sign them, give them an offer sheet outright, and then when you cut out those teams, you just like. Well, which ones would make sense? And it's just really hard. You can't really make a good John Collins deal right now. With the information we have right now, it's just like Minnesota. And making Minnesota trades is just really tough. I, I, don't, I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening either. And I'll be happy if John's back. Like, I just want to say this quickly before we wrap up, because I know, you know, I know we're all kind of looking forward to, we've been recording this for a while. I do want to say this. I, I have a John Collins jersey. I'll be happy to see him back. Like, I know I talk a lot about training him, but I genuinely do believe that John's a good player. I just don't think he's a max player. And I don't think there's anything wrong with thinking that. Like, you can agree that John's important for the Hawks now and going forward, but also say, like, hey, we shouldn't pay the guy the max. But if you have to pay on the max to bring him back, I would be more averse to doing that other than, like, some of the trade ideas I've seen. And that's all I want to say. That's, that's the last thing I have to say on that. No, you were. I mean, no. I have to cover all the bases straight up. Yeah, you were, you were like sound like an auctioneer there. I mean, hey, uh, I, hey, I do want to say, um, th- this is going to be the end of the podcast. So, of course, just want to say thank you to Kyle for coming on. As always, Kyle, it, it, it it's honestly so much fun being here with you because like it's not even just like talking to like a normal guest. Like you really are just like. You're just a friend of ours, so conversation just casual with you. So thank you for taking the time out of your night to come and talk to us. You'll, of course, will you be back soon, Kyle? Yeah, of course, and thank you all so much for having me on. It's uh, always a great treat, so I really appreciate it. No, of course. And no, uh, I do want to say, if uh, anybody would like to uh, follow Kyle, his Twitter is at KyleBWagers. That's K-Y-L. K Y L E B wagers. <laughs> Sorry, I wanted I wanted to make sure people could spell it right. Like I don't want people uh, to not find his Twitter. Um, he, uh, he puts out good content. If you're in the NBA trades, definitely go follow him. Um, I don't have anything else to say. Jags fan. Oh, yeah, Jags fan. Jags fan. The Jags are going to be fine. But uh, Kyle, hey, if you have anything else you want to say, feel free to. This is uh your opportunity. But no, just thank you all so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, no it's been great. Logan. Thank you, Kyle. Hey man, shout out to Kyle as always. Good fan of friend of the podcast. Thank you to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you everyone that listens. Thank you to everyone, man. You know, just just appreciate the support as always. Thank you to Jackson and Kyle for recording. And you know, that's my piece. That, that's it. Time for Jackson to do his signature uh, sign out. <laughs> well, that'll be it for episode thirty-one of the Hawks Talk Podcast. Thank you for listening. We hope you have a good rest of your week. We'll be back for episode thirty-two of the Hawks Talk podcast. Whenever the Hawks start playing again, the next time you'll be listening to this podcast and when the team will be playing again. So, thank you for listening. Hope you have a great day, great week, great month. Love you. Bye. Rumkey is hiring CDL drivers age nineteen and up, and drivers are paid based on experience. Rumkey CDL drivers earn one thousand to thirteen hundred dollars per week, and more than ten thousand dollars in bonuses possible in their first year. Rumkey drivers are home daily, work in a recession-resistant industry, receive great benefits and performance incentives. Start a lucrative career and apply now at RumkeyCareers.com. Equal opportunity employer restrictions apply. Introducing Force Factor Fundamentals. Exclusively at the Vitamin Shop, these men's health essentials have clinically studied ingredients like biopurine for enhanced absorption. Yohimbean, pine bark, and L-arginine can help you strengthen blood flow and heighten passion with doses that may bring you the results you crave. Now you can save 20% on Force Factor, including the fundamentals at the Vitamin Shop. Get these men's health game changers in your life at any of the Vitamin Shop store or vitaminshop.com. 
With the powerful combination of Michelin X1 tires and the Michelin Energy Guard aerodynamic solution on your truck, you can save 17 gallons every 1,000 miles. Go to business.michelinman.com slash fuel saver for details. Hi. How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com. Ready to launch a new career or not sure what to do after graduation? Rumkey is hiring for CDL driving trainees. We pay you to get your CDL license while working for us. Driver trainees receive $18 an hour, great benefits, and Rumkey will pay your CDL costs. Once you're a CDL driver, you can earn $1,000 to $1,300 a week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in your first year. Apply today and launch a lucrative career at Rumkey. Apply now at RumkeyCareers.com. Equal opportunity employer. Restrictions apply. At Sandy Spring Bank, we care about people, not transactions. So we concentrate on creating personalized solutions to start or grow a business that provides for your family, to purchase a home that will house the memories you make there, to save so you can enjoy today and then pass on your legacy to future generations. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk. Visit sandyspringbank.com real. Mortgage, home equity, and other credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com.